0: So you know as I was wrestling with this week's um, sermon, there was like like I, I thought I had it, like, yeah, this this is it. And as I started to write it, you know what it's like to pull teeth <laughs> and and so like I don't know what God had in mind, and I'm hoping that I did not I was obedient to him, so um, yeah, so kind of here we go in all this. Um, I'm going to pray because I think I need it. Uh, Lord, I want to thank you for your word and I want to thank you for whatever it is you're doing here. Um, pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be acceptable in your sight, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. All right. So whenever you don't know what to do, you review. So let's review. In John's letter, in chapter 2, John is talking about our relationship with God. He's talking about fellowship with, with God and that we have this fellowship. And there are certain postures within us, within our hearts, that will move us toward a deeper, more intimate relationship with God. And then there are postures within our hearts that can arise that can actually move us away from that deeper intimacy. Now, one of the most amazing things I believe that the gospel offers us is that we can be in relationship with God. We can have an intimate, deep, personal relationship with with God the Father, the creator of all things, and that he invites us, he desires it, he calls us into it. And this relationship is just, it's so full of, that, that we will never come to the fullness of it in this lifetime. We will never understand the fullness of what God is inviting us to during this lifetime. Yes, and we can grow deeper and deeper in that. But this is, this is huge. There's always more that he's calling us into. There's always more that he's inviting us into. And that's just the depth and the, the, the hugeness of it all. And so, as John kind of launches into chapter 2, which we've been wrestling with for the past few weeks, he talks about the ebb and flow of our interior posture that affects that relationship, that fellowship. Now, by the time we move to, um, to in chapter 2 to verses 18 through 28, he changes his focus. Now, I, wasn't, I don't have this up on the, um, on the screen but I'm going to read it to you anyway because I, I want us to make sure that we always remain in the context of what is being written. So I'm going to read to you, uh, verse First John verses eighteen through twenty-eight, and then we're going to look at our verses that we're going to talk about. It says, "This, dear children, this is the last hour, and as if you heard, as you have heard, the antichrist is coming. Even now, many antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour." they went out from us but they did not really belong to us for they for if they belonged to us they would have remained with us but their going showed that no that none of them belonged to us but you have an anointing from the holy one and all of you know the truth i do not write to you because you do not know the truth but because you do know it and because no lie comes from the truth who is a liar it is whoever denies that jesus is the christ such a person is the antichrist denying the father and the son no one who denies the father has the no one who denies the son has the father whoever acknowledges the son has the father also as for you see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you if it does you also will remain in the son and in the father and this is what he promised us eternal life I'm writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you. You do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. And now, dear children, continue in him, so that when he appears we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. So, this is the context of what John is writing these ten verses, and what he is telling us is there are external pressures there are things externally that are going to come at us as the church as Christians in the church, and they're going to come and, and they're they 're going to attack us they, they are things that want to end our relationship with God as a community they 're coming from the outside. These pressures are bent on pushing us into the shallow waters of relationship with God, creating, uh, uh, making us ineffective in our walk with Christ. This is what they want to do, these, these external things. And what, what they're trying to do is get us to believe something other than the gospel. They're trying to get us to believe the lie. They're trying to get us to believe something besides the truth of who Jesus Christ is. It's as simple as that. That's what John is addressing. The truth of who Jesus is, that he is the Christ, that he is the Messiah, that he did go to the cross, that he had to go to the cross, that he had to die so that we can be forgiven and reconciled back to God. That is the truth of who Christ is. And what John says, there are spiritual forces at work trying to get us not to believe those things. And sometimes they may be very subtle. Sometimes it may be like right in your face. But the truth of the matter is they want us to believe the lie that Jesus is something else, someone else, that he came and and what happened wasn't wasn't true. And sometimes they, they, they take that those words and they kind of, they kind of spiritualize them. And some people have gone astray because it almost sounds right. And it makes sense to them. And so he wants us to understand that there is a fight going on and not only on the inside of us, but also on the outside. And now let's kind of go to our verses that we're going to wrestle with this morning. Steve, would you put those up? This is 1 John chapter 2, verses 20, 21, and 27. But you, he's talking to the church, you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you, and you do not need And you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as the anointing is real, no counterfeit, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. I just want to check something. Give me a moment. Yeah, okay. I'm good. So we're being tempted. We're being pushed at. We're being attacked. And... This is our defense. This is our ammo. This is the weapon. This is how we fight back. This is how we hold to the truth of the gospel. This is how we hold to the truth of who Jesus is. It's how we keep the course, how we stay on course. Remember, John is writing to the church. He's writing to people who are still part of that community. And yes, some people have left the church. Some people had gotten this, this idea of who, who Jesus is, and it was different from the gospel, and they started believing different, they started teaching different, and they tried to lead people astray, and now they have gone, they have left. And John calls those people straight up, man. He calls them the Antichrist, man. That's, that's hardcore. That's not pulling any punches with anyone. If you do not profess jesus is lord if you think he's someone else or someone other than god other than man john says you are of the antichrist but there's people that have remained behind they didn't get led astray they didn't give up maybe they were shaken a little bit but they were grounded in the truth and how did they stay grounded what was the key i believe these verses begin to to shed the light for us Of why they were able to stay and not drift. It's the work and only the work of the Holy Spirit within us. See, the Holy Spirit empowers us to stand firm in the truth of who Jesus Christ is. A Christian is a Christian. A person follows Jesus only because of the work of the Holy Spirit in that person's life. There is this place of surrender in them. The Holy Spirit illuminates this truth in them and they begin to follow. It's only his work that, 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 that allows us to follow him. John calls this an anointing. You've been anointed by the Holy One. You've been anointed by the Spirit. And this anointing empowers us to walk in the truth of of, of who Christ is. And it's only that anointing that allows. It's, it's, it's It's how we fight back against the threat of lies, of false teachings, of false doctrines. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's the power of the Holy Spirit in us. The word anointing in the Bible, it's used to describe the the influence of the Holy Spirit on us. Throughout parts of the Old Testament, you will see over and again that people were continually anointed. Kings were anointed. Priests were anointed. Prophets were anointed. This anointing set them apart for God to enter into the sacred, sacred work that God was calling them. And they were anointed in it. And the symbol of this anointing, this external symbol, was they, they used oil. And they would, anoint, they would anoint them. And in the Old Testament, priests, they would allow this oil to pour down over their head. I mean, it wasn't a little dab on the forehead, man. They, they poured oil. People knew. And it would drip down their beard, it says in, in, the, in the Old Testament. And this was the external symbol of this anointing. Saul was anointed. David was anointed by Samuel to be king. And prophets were anointed. Priests were anointed. And so this is not a, a new term. The anointing is the empowerment to to follow what God would have, follow the call that God has has on us in in our life and many times we compare that oil to to the holy Spirit, the anointing of that oil. It was the symbolic uh, releasing of the power, but the Holy Spirit is the releasing of the power because he is the power. In the temple, the candlestick that was in the temple, and it was lit for 24-7 because they wanted light in the temple. It was, it was powered by sacred oil. And many times we can say the Holy Spirit empowers us to live in the light, to be the light of the world. And so John says, you, Christian, you have the anointing. Of the Holy Spirit. This is the truth of who we are in the Spirit. Every Christian, every Christian is anointed with the power of the Holy Spirit. You have been set apart to live in victory in this faith journey. I mean, read your Bible. You are prophets, and you are priests. A holy nation unto God. This is your anointing. This is who you are. Maybe some of you don't believe it. Maybe some of you don't feel that way. But that's the truth of who you are. I love the picture in the Gospels of, of uh, Jesus when he comes out of the water. And he stands there. And, and after he's been baptized. And the dove descends on him. This symbol of the Holy Spirit. And, and it empowers Jesus to anoint Jesus to go on to his to his ministry to carry out the work of God to be the light of the world. Now guess what? You ready for this? That same spirit that came upon Jesus Christ, you have you have that same spirit from the Father. Yes, you. And maybe you're thinking me Yes, you have the same spirit. You have an anointing from the Holy One. Jesus himself in Ephesians chapter 4 tells us that when Jesus ascended to the Father, that he gave us gifts, good gifts, and he gave us the Holy Spirit. Jesus ascends to the Father. He sends the Spirit to empower his church to live and walk in holiness, to empower his church to be the light of the world's. This is what we have been given. This is the gift that we have been given. The Holy Spirit comes to us from the Father through the Son and He's given, given it to the church. Every one of you can walk in the victory that God has for you. Why? Because the Spirit of God is in you. It's as simple as that. Now, I want, I want you to catch this, Okay. The Bible continually, as you read the New Testament, it says that we are in Christ. Many, many verses. We are in Christ. We are in Christ. In Christ. In Christ. Over and over and over again. We take part in the truth of who Jesus Christ is. Okay, now you ready for this? Because this is where it gets good. Christ received the Spirit of God in all fullness without without limit, with without measure. Christ received the fullness completely of the Spirit of God. And guess what? If we are in Christ, you too haven't just received a little portion of it. Haven't received just a little sprinkling of it. Maybe you got a little spark. Uh-uh. You have the fullness of the Spirit of God living in you. Right now, if you follow Christ, if you pursue Him, if He is that, that inner flame in your heart and soul, you've been given the Spirit because you can't follow Him without it. And you've been given it in all His fullness. Now maybe you don't walk that way. And I think in part we don't walk in the fullness of the Spirit because we don't trust that we've been given that gift. We think that we're not good enough or we haven't done enough or we're, we've been too bad. uh uh-uh, uh-uh. Christ gives in fullness the Holy Spirit to you. Now, John is writing to the church. Uh, he's writing to people who are continuing to walk in the truth of the gospel, and they are still walking in the truth. Why? Because of this anointing, because they have opened themselves up to the work of the Holy Spirit. They've surrendered themselves to the work of the Holy Spirit. And because of that, we we, we know the truth. And, and I love there's this version that says, We know all things. That because of the Spirit, we know all things. And, and so, so, so there it is. There it is. For some of you, you're going, yes. Finally, someone, someone has realized that I know all things. You are amazingly intelligent. And all of those people, all of your life, they said, "Oh, you're just a Mr. Know It All." Now they can, now that's true. The scriptures say, "You know it. You know it. You know all of the truth." You are a know it all. Pray I mean, isn't this a lift your heart up, feel good sermon this morning? Now you can go back and say, the "Pastor said I'm a know it all." Nah, 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 and hang up. Well, maybe. Nah, I don't want anybody to get offended, um, especially what I'm about to say here. And I know some of you might just go, "Yeah, finally, yeah, I, I do know the truth. I know, I know all the truth. I, I am that know-it-all." But I, I just want to tell you, um, no, you don't. And don't, don't get angry. Don't get, don't get, don't get. Sad, don't get discouraged. I mean, people have, debating, have debated these texts, these verses for, for centuries. And I think it's important for us to understand what John is talking about when he says, we know. all of us know, we know the truth, we know everything. So what I want to do is I want to kind of lay this out, what this is not saying, and then I want to lay this out, what, what, it, what it is saying. There are some, uh, some churches, some people in church, um, in big church, that they, they take, the, they take the, the teaching, the doctrines of the Holy Spirit, and they raise them up to be the single most important thing. That's the most important thing that we need to teach. Now, they believe the other truths. It's not like they're, they're in heresy or anything like that. Um, they believe the other things. But the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, that is the single most important thing. This is what we've got to rely on. This is what we've got to talk about. This is what we really have to focus and But when what, what we find is when you get into that mindset of, of raising one thing as the most important thing and others kind of become secondary, especially in terms of the Holy Spirit, a, something can begin to take shape that, that can be very dangerous because we know that the Holy Spirit speaks to us. We know that the Holy Spirit reveals things to us and, and he, he reminds us of things and he brings us back to those teachings, the truths about Christ. But what happens is if we just put all of our eggs into that one basket that... The Holy Spirit is is talking to me, and, 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 and that's the most important thing in our doctrine. We're in danger of getting very subjective in what we speak, in the words that we say, instead of obj- objective truth to what the gospel, what the Bible says. Now, l- let me explain. Have you, ever, have you ever met people who, when they talk, when they share things with you, everything is, well, the Lord told me. Well, the, the Lord has showed me this. Well, the, the Lord, the Lord told me that I, I, I need to tell you this. The Lord told me that, that eggs were going to be on sale at Stop and Shop, and, and you know, and so and so everything is you know the Lord told them or the Lord showed them, and and they seem to know what the Lord wants. the Lord wants to tell you so they feel very at ease and open telling you what God wants you to know. Did you ever find those people? You ever met those people? Now I am not dismissing words of wisdom, words of knowledge. I have been a a huge, that have been a huge benefit for me from many people in my walk especially in ministry. People have spoken truth like, like laser truth right to my heart and you know it's from God. But there's those people that it's, You know, when they talk to you, they seem they it's it's like God talks to them about you more than God talks to you about you. And and you just kind of sit there and and you scratch your head about that. And there's almost this this infallibility that rises up in their words because they believe that these words are from the Holy Spirit, and so they must be true, so they feel very open and honest just to be able to share them with you. And there's this constant kind of gnawing because they want to make sure that you know what God is telling you through them. I, uh, when I was being considered for my first pastor's job, um, I went for, I called it the church grilling, and I went before the church, and uh, they all kind of asked me questions and threw eggs and tomatoes and stuff like that, but they just wanted to see how quick and agile I was. I was good. I only got hit twice. But anyway, I digress. And, and after that grilling, uh, one of the guys uh, in, in the church asked uh, to have a sit-down with me, a personal sit-down. And um, he and his wife, they were very against me becoming the the pastor of student ministries, and they were very vocal in that, and and that's fine. People could, you know, they have their opinions. Uh, But he sat down with me, and and I said, yeah, I'll sit down. And we had this private meeting, and he kind of sat there, and he looked at me and said, Dennis, the Holy Spirit has shown me that you should not be a pastor. And and I said okay, and then he went on to list all the reasons why the Holy Spirit had shown him and told him why I shouldn't be a pastor, leading up to I will probably have an affair on my wife with uh, on my wife. And I went okay, and then he, he shared with me. Uh, very, I mean, he was very uh, he was very um, he was very serious about this, and he shared with me the temptations in his life that he had fallen to, and he wasn't a pastor. And and he was he walked longer with Jesus than I did, and so I really didn't stand a chance as a pastor with all the attacks that come our way. And the Holy Spirit had shown him that that I shouldn't be a pastor. And do you see the subjective truth in that? His experiences just kind of um, just kind of molded what he wanted, and he used the Holy Spirit as his as his crutch to tell me that what I should or should not do. And that's a very dangerous thing when you raise up this doctrine of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is is always talking and he is always speaking to us. But we have to be very, very careful. And see, it can even get worse than that because some people will come against the very word of God because the Holy Spirit had told them this. It's what happened in this church. These people had a mystical experience, some deep mystical experience that showed them the real truth about Jesus Christ. And it wasn't what the gospel taught. It wasn't what uh, John and all the apostles were teaching, that Jesus didn't have to go to the cross, that he wasn't really God on the cross, that the Spirit of God left him and he was just a man. And all of these false teachings, and doctrines because they believe that the spirit had told them and revealed to them the truth and we have to be very careful as we look at verses like this not to proof text them which means to just take them out of the context that they were written and make something up that that will fit our purposes because what John is talking about here is not divine guidance he's not talking about the will that of God for us and the things that we should do and the convictions that the Holy spirit puts in us for the way we should live our lives He's talking about something that's very, very specific, and that is the truth of who Jesus is. It's the truth that Jesus is God, is man, went to the cross, died, and rose again for the forgiveness of our sins. That's what he's speaking here about. The truth of who Jesus is. And we have to be careful with all of this this spiritual, holy, spiritual, Holy Spirit doctrine, because we don't want a bunch of mini Holy Spirits running around telling people what God told them about you. That's very dangerous. Very dangerous. To believe people are infallible in any way, shape, or form is 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 dumb. You should always test whatever anybody says to the Word of God. And to believe that there is a fresh truth out there that may come from somebody who the Spirit has talked to them about, and, but it goes against what the Scripture teaches, that's, that's also, dare I say, dumb. John says, I write to you so you can have fellowship with us. John is bringing him, bringing this church the truth. Paul in uh, Ephesians writes that the church was built on the foundation of what? The apostles and the prophets with Christ being the cornerstone. And so anything that, that, that goes against the word of God and the scripture is not true. It's false. That is our foundation. This is our foundation. You can't put another foundation or you don't put another foundation on top of the already foundation that's there. You build on that foundation. And so everything, everything in our lives has to come into agreement with, with this book. Our entire faith journey, all of the things that we say, all of the things we, we do have to be built upon the foundation of the revelation of God and Jesus Christ in these pages. Jesus, the Holy Spirit is not going to open, uh, bring something new to us, some new lost teaching of Jesus. That, that's not going to happen. It's always going to line up here, always. Always, always. Did I mention it's always going to line up here? It's always going to line up with the words in the Bible, with who Christ is and with who God is. Now, so so he talks about, like, you know, knowing all things, or knowing knowing the truth, all of you, and, and all of you know the truth. And, and then he says here, um, what's it say? I do not write to you. Where, where, where's the words? That's for you. The only thing you receive for him remains in you, and you do not need it. Oh, and you do not need anyone to teach you. Wait, so what you're saying is I don't know all the truth, or all of us don't know all the truth. And then he says, well, I, 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 we don't need anyone to teach us. So is he saying that you really are that smart? Do You really, you really do have it all together? That you don't need anyone to teach you anything? Uh, Show of hands, when you became a Christian, when you became a Christian, did you know everything there was to know about all the truth that's in the Bible? Raise your hand. Okay, so those of you who have been walking with Christ now, do you know everything there is to know about the truth and you don't need anybody to teach you? Raise your hand. I got a lot of honest people here. I love you guys. See, it's, it's again, dangerous to take things out of the context of which they were written. Remember, the Holy Spirit is the only reason why we can follow Jesus at all. And and, and the the scriptures themselves tell us that we are to grow in grace. We are to grow in our knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so this is not about you not needing anyone at all ever again to teach you anything. You know, if we knew all things and if we didn't need anyone to teach us, if we knew all of the truth, then every Christian in the entire world would believe the same doctrines and and, and understand everything exactly the same. But as we see, there are many different differences in faith uh, traditions that teach different things in, in certain doctrinal settings. But there is no difference. There cannot be any difference in the person of who Jesus Christ is. There cannot be any difference that he was fully God, fully man, went to the cross, died, rose again for the forgiveness of our sins. This is what we always have to remember. But everything else, man, we, we need to be mentored in. We need to grow in our understanding. We need to be taught. We need to receive teaching. And I would even say that part of our learning and part of our teaching is then to go and share and, and teach with teach other people. Just the very fact that John wrote this letter proves that we need to be taught. All the epistles, all the letters in the New Testament is, is proof that we need instruction. We need to grow in our faith. We need to grow in our depth and in Intimacy of who Jesus is. The Bible says this is, this is the revelation of God. And we need to be able to unpack that. And what does it look like in our daily lives? How do we apply these things as individuals? How do we apply these things as, as a community? We need those things. So he's not saying that you don't need to be taught anything ever again. Because you know everything there is to know. And I know we've spent a lot of time here working through... Um, what this is not. And, and the reason why I, I've been doing that lately, I've been really kind of... Um, it's really important for us as Christians, I believe in this day and age especially, it's very important for us to be able to understand these biblical texts and to be able to speak to them with other people with, with intelligence with 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 just like you know what you're talking about and you can come against other arguments that might say, well, well, this is what it says. Well, no, that's, that's what it says, but that's not what it means because you're taking, you know. And, and we have to be able to do that as Christians. We have to be able to talk to this uh, with, with intelligence. And so it's, in very import- it's very important for us to understand that what John is saying here, he is speaking to something very specific. He is speaking to the truth of who Jesus Christ is, that he is the Messiah, and he uses this Holy Spirit. He says, as for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you. You don't, need anybody, you don't need anybody to teach you because his anointing teaches you about all things. And just as this anointing is real, not counterfeit, that you are to remain in him. Now, now maybe we can summarize it this way with Paul. Can you go to the next slide, Steve? Paul says this in 2 Corinthians. This is what we speak, not in words taught to us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirits, explaining spiritual realities with spirit taught words. The person without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the spirit. See, the truths that we understand, the truths that we grow into is because of the Holy Spirit that we can understand them. And people without the Holy Spirit, they, they have trouble. They can't understand them. It's foolishness to them. The scriptures say that the truth is foolishness to those who are perishing. And this is what John is saying about the Spirit in our lives. It reveals, it opens up. This is why you could stand firm and not be swayed from the truth of who Christ is. That you can stand firm on that foundation. It, the whole that, that you know it all and the whole that no one needs to teach you anything uh, that he spoke is in the context of who Christ is. That is the foundation, that he is the Messiah. We do not, we do not remove ourselves from that, that we are planted firmly on. We can understand the full nature of who Christ is, that he was fully God and fully human. Now maybe you can't understand that completely, but you can receive that because the Spirit allows you to receive that. You can understand the cross and why he had to go to the cross. And you can understand it's justification by faith. And maybe and you can explain these things to people. And maybe you can't explain them perfectly. And maybe you can't explain them in real depth. But you have been given the the Holy Spirit spirit so you can speak to those things. Don't ever be afraid to share Jesus with, any, with anyone because you don't think you can have the right words or you don't know enough. You've been given the spirit and you know enough. You know the truth of the gospel, the foundation of the gospel. and You can speak that into people's lives. Don't ever be afraid. Don't ever be afraid because it's not you. It's the spirit in you. And the scriptures tell us that he will give you what you need. When you go to speak, and you just got to be bold enough to go and speak it. And see, this is what makes Christianity, this is what makes our faith for everyone. You don't have to be an academic. You don't have to be some big philosopher. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to have good public speaking skills or, or be a great debater. Because it's the spirit in you that produces those things and those words and that truth, and it holds that truth firm. It holds that truth firm. And he will continue to open up those truths to us. And we will understand the great deep things of the Spirit. We'll be able to understand salvation. We understand what is true and what is a lie. See, we don't need to teach people about the person of Jesus Christ. I don't need to teach you, the Christian, about the person of Jesus Christ because you already know. It's been revealed to you. John says, I write to you because you already know the truth. You already know the truth. If you are following Christ, if you are pursuing him, you have the spirit of the living God living within you. And you already know the truth. And it's the presence of the spirit that allows you to stand firm in the truth of Christ. So here's a few things I want you to remember. Because we have been given the Spirit and we have been given all that we need to share and to stand firm in who Jesus is, that you do not have to fear getting into a conversation with someone. But here's what I want you to remember. Don't get mad at people who don't believe in Jesus. Don't become upset or frustrated with people who don't believe in Jesus, that he is the Messiah, because the Spirit has yet to open their spiritual eyes to those truths. But all you can do in gentleness is come alongside them, pray for them. Because I believe in gentleness comes that place of surrender to them where they will surrender their hearts to Christ. Remember, it's our job to pray and to share, not to cram down in somebody's throat. And on the flip side of that, You know, some Christians don't believe in the same things you might believe in. There's the debate of old earth, young earth, Arminian, Calvinist, denominational differences. Do we dunk? Do we splash? Do we sprinkle? All of these different things that come into play. We are called to love the brothers and the sisters and the faith. If they profess Jesus as Lord and believe that he is the only way to the Father, if they believe that he is the only way to salvation, then they have the same Spirit of God in them as you have in you, and there's no difference. You see, it's only by this Holy Spirit that anyone can profess Jesus as Christ. It's only by the Holy Spirit that can profess Jesus as the only way to salvation. See, if the Holy Spirit is not in their heart, they can't they they don't believe those things. They 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 can't even begin to understand them. What's Paul say? It's it's because it's 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 the spiritual revelation. And so let's kind of put away our hatchets sometimes between these petty little arguments that just take the focus off Christ. I think sometimes when we get into these little little, little skirmishes about things, I think God is, is just up there going, Stop it! Stop it! Because he doesn't care. Maybe a better question is, What's Jesus doing in your life? What is the Holy Spirit doing in your life? I wish you all a happy Mother's Day. Uh, one last thing before I go. Uh, June first, we as a church are going to begin a online survey, and we would like you all to take part in it. They said that a this company that we're using said that surveys uh, a successful survey is twenty five to thirty five percent of the recipients. Um, I think that's personally lame. And and so I would like to get everybody, this is not about how we can build our church better. This is not how, um, if you like the color of the uh, carpet or the walls or the beautiful shade that we don't have. uh, This is all about how are we as a body of Christ connecting with Christ in in many different ways. I want you all to take part in it. Uh, It's going out on June 1st. It will be available for a month online. We'll keep sending you out the link. Uh, please don't vote more than once, but you know, I mean, if you want, if, unless you got really good things to say, that's fine. Um, but but really, this this is something very serious. We're, we're like getting six years into this experiment we call Oasis, and we want to know where we stand, where where are people's hearts, how are people receiving and understanding and growing in their faith. Uh, The survey will take about 25 minutes. Um, You can do it online. If you are not signed up for our email, because that's the way we are going to get this out. If you are not on that email list, there's stuff back there to put your name, get your name on the email list. If you have a computer, I don't care if you're 16 or 60, please take part in this survey because it all fleshes out with demographics. Your name will not be used. Uh, I won't know if you trash us as a church or I won't know if you praise us as a church, but we want you to be honest. In fact, the login for the congregation is Oasis and the password is tell the truth. So that's coming up on June 1st, and I'm going to keep reminding you because we want to get as many people on that email list if you're not on that email list. So get back there, sign up, and please, let's, let's, let's have this company that we're using go, wow, they had like 99% because 25%, 25% of 140 people ain't a lot of people. So I want to see 139.6. All right? I love you guys. Again, happy Mother's Day. Have a great day today. We'll see you next week.